Welcome to the ninth episode of Profs Radio, the show to A-style your business by learning from entrepreneurs on experience how to solve problems. I'm your host, Peter Martin. Today we have Rob and Kennedy from Response Suite. Good morning, guys. Do you want to say hi to the listeners and tell them about what you do? Hello. Hello. This is uh, Rob and Kennedy Hello. from Response Suite, as you just said. Delighted to be here. This is very cool. I couldn't be more excited. <laughs> Glad to hear it. <laughs> so what do we do? Uh, that's, that's a really good question. Yeah, so our story is a little interesting, so we'll, we'll give you the cliff notes. Only a little interesting. We'll give you the cliff notes. Our background is actually in the entertainment industry. Uh, so I am a comedy stage, jazz hands, I am a comedy stage hypnotist. So I travel for the, back, the last 16 years, travel all over the world, performing a comedy stage hypnosis show, hypnotizing people, making them do crazy things. And well, while he's been doing that, I've been traveling around mainly the UK, but a little bit internationally a few times a year where I perform a show which looks a lot like I read people's minds. So I, we both combine skills of psychology, influence, persuading people and reading people and figuring people out in order to entertain people. But now we've sort of flipped that around and realized that actually a lot of those skills have a lot, a significant number of applications to the world of building businesses, marketing, making more sales without being a douchebag. As software guys, I was not expecting that backstory. I was <laughs> <laughs> very interested. Mm. Um, it's also really the next question about is, uh, is we're not software guys at all. In fact, when we came up with the idea for Response Suite as a platform, it was an idea. It was a dream that Rob had initially for a really simple idea. Well, what he thought was a simple idea, which, which what, is actually what we're going to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And it, once we unpacked it, we ended up being software people, although we know nothing about software. So whether it was really strange because I don't know my backslash or my forward slash. I haven't got a clue what the difference is or how to do anything with them. And neither is Rob. So yeah, we're not really software guys. We're just creative people with a real eye, I think, for coming up with really interesting solutions. So do you want to tell me a little bit about your journey? So how you got from that background to what you're doing now? Sure. Yeah, so what happened was, we were, as, as we said, both entertainers, we we're doing that full time. We've been friends for a really long time. We met at a magician's convention of all things. Yeah, that's really a thing. Here where in, lots uh, of Newcastle. really weird people go to hang out and show each other card tricks. So we met there, instantly became good friends and started hanging out and, and you know, swapping ideas for business and getting gigs and stuff. And while we were out, the one thing we have in common as show, lives that sort of live in parallel, both off on the road doing gigs, is that um, you spend loads of time traveling to gigs and loads of time waiting to do the show, but actually very little time on stage so if you're going to do a show that's an hour it might take you 20 hours round trip to get there and back or you know as much as that or sitting around and lots of times on trains and that so we both decided to start our own kind of online enterprises if you like i discovered the world of info products and so did you separately and we didn't tell each other about it It wasn't a secret um, we were just like closet entrepreneurs closetpreneurs if you like so our goal was to try and build an online business that would make us passive income in the time where we were waiting to go and do the thing we really wanted to do and, and getting paid reasonably well for, but we wanted to be able to do something else. So I actually started packaging up and selling hypnosis training to teach other people who wanted to be hypnotists. Eventually that led to teaching personal development. And I ended up teaching other entertainers how to get more gigs and build a business because most entertainers, whether you're a musician, a magician, an illusionist, a juggler, whatever the heck you do, most people get into that. Like most people who are listening and watching this right now, we get into the thing, as Michael Gerber says in his book, The E-Myth, we get into what we want to do because we are the technician, because we want to do that thing. Most of us are not very good at all the other things which are like, surprise, yes, you want to make chairs for a living? Good. Good news for you. You've also got to do finance and marketing and sales and all this other stuff. And most people are not great at any of those things or all of those things. So a lot of entertainers 
kept coming to me saying, hey, how come you're so busy? How, can you help us to, to get more gigs? And so I ended up launching a membership program where I, and I still run that to this day, helping other entertainers to get more of the gigs they want at the fees they want to get. So, I mean, doing those, doing those different businesses, there's obviously all these little, like, you know, these little sort of planets that sit around your universe. Aren't there all these little things you've got to get good at, like you've got to get a good at email marketing and ads and, you know, all of the stuff that goes with it. And the big thing that we both automatically by absolute accident found ourselves being drawn to was email marketing. And one day after years of doing it, we sort of said, do you want to look at this stuff that I'm doing and, and, and this stuff? And, and he was like, oh, do you want to look at this, 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 this thing I've been building? And we were like, oh, this is weird. We're doing the same so thing. As, as well as being like stars, we also wanted to have business businesses which were scalable beyond just selling time for money which is the trap that a lot of us sort of fit into so now we had these sort of two parallel businesses going out and doing shows was on one side and then selling info products related to what we did for the show was the other side of it and we sort of just did that in you know in tandem for years and years and loved it and that was great um and then eventually we ran into a problem which is the problem we're going to talk about in a minute i assume um and uh, and yeah and eventually it led to us creating a software oh that sounds interesting. I like what you touched on there as well is, you know, people just want to make chairs or do the thing that they're good at. And then suddenly you get this whole other world of, ah, now I've got to do this, this and this. Like a we live in a, an era of a ton of VAs, uh, but you still have to make money in order to... <laughs> absolutely absolutely otherwise you know you end up just throwing loads of money in uh, your own savings or your partner savings into this black hole which turns into nothing and how many businesses fail because of that um yeah you have to you have to master all these things and it's bloody hard you know like it's tricky stuff and it's frustrating because you know how good your product is or you know how good you are at the thing but you just need to get other people to realize that and that's that's cool you know that's the way it goes I'll be honest, like, I know I'm not here to talk about our problem, I'm going to talk about your problem, or your challenge that you've had, but mine was people. Like, I love sitting behind a computer, just building projects, the software, yeah. but actually to go out and sell is, you know. You just sit there in your own little vacuum, don't you, if you're not careful. You <laughs> yeah. It's very true. So you touched on there that you were going to talk about a challenge that you had and that you've come across a challenge. Uh, is the one that you can share with us all today? This all, this all this business began as a challenge. I think businesses which are driven just by money, obviously, as we all know from reading really big, clever gurus, we know that if, it, if your only reason for running the business is financial, it's probably not really going to work. You have to be driven by your purpose. And very early on, we found this purpose. And it all began with a phone call that Rob made to me. Yeah. So I had my list of people, my email list of people that I was mailing out and selling stuff to. And I knew that... They were a bunch of different people with a bunch of different needs. And I was trying to work out what product to create next, what product is going to solve their problem next. So I knew I had a bunch of options. I could create this or this or this. And I thought, well, the quickest thing to do is just ask. And I'd seen marketers running surveys before. So what I did was I created a quick survey and uh, with like three or four questions on it. Uh, and it literally asked questions like, what are you interested in right now? How much have you got to invest right now? How do you like to learn things right now? And I sent out that survey very blind really not thinking much about it and uh, when I was sending it out I thought actually do you know what I might as well do I might as well put a, a paid offer as soon as somebody fills out the survey so I grabbed one of our old products it was the recordings of some live of a live seminar that normally sold for like a thousand dollars and I threw it up on a page with this, the world's shortest sales video saying thanks for taking the survey listen because you took the survey um, do you want to get this thing as a special discount thank you please so I put that on the <laughs> internet and I sent the I sent the survey out and um, a bunch of people took the survey and a bunch of people bought the, bought the thing. 
So this was great. And the actual conversion rate of people who saw the offer to buying the offer was like through the roof compared to what it would be if I just sent that traffic directly to the, to the page. So I thought, mm, this is interesting. I wonder why that is. And we started to break down the psychology of, of why that might work. But at the same time, I knew I had another problem. And that was the following day, I wanted to send out another email with a link to the same survey, but I needed to exclude the people who took the survey. And I couldn't because other than 63%, 22% and whatever the rest is in a pie chart, I didn't know who those people were. So I called Kennedy and I was like, dude, I've made a mistake. I've sent out this survey. I now don't know who any of these people are, which means that when I email them tomorrow, I can't exclude those people from the email. So now you've got a whole bunch of people who are your hyper responders, the people who receive your email and said, I'm going to take your survey because I think you're fantastic. And you're going to email those people again, as well as everybody else and say, if you didn't take the survey yesterday, and now as well as beating everybody who didn't take the survey over the head saying, please take it, you're also sort of annoying all the people who did. So I thought that marketers have been running surveys for years. So this is a thing. So like, there must be a way of doing it. So I called him and I was like, dude, do you know of a way to do this? And he said, ah, no. He said, for a very different reason, we can't remember what it was, but for a very different reason, he, he, needed, a piece, he needed a piece of software in the past that solved that did the same thing so i said what i need is a survey platform that speaks to an email thing so that those two things work so i called the survey platform that i use and said is this a thing can you do this how do i do it and they said nope can't do that and i thought well, that's crazy like there's no circumstance where any business on earth should want to ask for feedback and not have any interest in who gave them the feedback because it's just pointless, isn't it? Can I have your opinion? Oh, hang on a minute. Just put this bag over your head before you give it to me. You know, like it's completely, it's completely redundant. If somebody complains about something and you don't know who they are, you can't do anything about it. So I thought this, this is very weird. So we started this journey of trying to find a, a platform that would do it. And it just didn't. This is like eight years ago. It just didn't exist. So um, that was our kind of initial problem. That was where it all began. And then as, as we were chatting about it, we said, hang on a minute. The other problem with this is when I look at this data on, on, this, on, this, um, on this pie chart, I can see that, and I'm going to round the numbers, but you'll get the idea. 40% of people say they want one thing. Fine. 30% of people say they want something else. Great. 20% of people say they want something else. Fine. And the last 10% of people, they want something different. So I looked at that and I thought, well, the majority of those people want that thing that got 40%. But actually, when you stop and look at that on a pie chart again, you think, hang on a minute, that's not the majority of my list. That's just the largest individual segment. The other segments add up to 60%. And they don't want what you got. So and they don't want that big thing. So what's actually just happened is I've just asked for your opinion and said, hey, which of these five things do you want? And you've told me that you want one of these things, but it's not the most popular thing. And yet, so I've, what I've now done is said, thanks for your opinion. I'm going to ignore that. Do you want this other thing? Which is... <laughs> And it obviously just upsets people even more. And this is all boils down to the fact that traditionally survey platforms do not speak to marketing, CRM, and email marketing platforms. So usually your survey platform won't speak to your MailChimp and it won't speak to your active campaign or your Infusionsoft or your HubSpot. They don't talk to each other. And there's a huge gap, a huge opportunity there. So eventually we started talking about this and, and, uh, and decided there has to be a solution to it. And that's what led us forward, I suppose. I think I've got an idea of how you resolved it since uh, of your current business. But before we get on to that, um, I'd just like to take a minute to let our listeners know of our community, Entrepreneur Profs, where you can be other entrepreneurs and learn from them, as well as find the tools we recommend. Just go to entrepreneur.profs.biz. You can also join our free Entrepreneur Profs Facebook group. So, as I said, I think I've got an inclination of how you've solved this problem of not being able to find 
this survey uh, software that can actually talk to the software, find out who the people are, what they're doing, talking to all the other bits of software. What did you do? So I solved the problem in about eight minutes. I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll go on freelancer.com. I'll take about two or $3,000 and I'll pop a job on freelancer.com for a, a software developer to nip in and build this bit of software. A couple of weeks, I think, I think it'll be done. It'll be beautiful. And that'll be excellent. So I went on freelancer, created a job, popped a couple of thousand dollars on it. Uh, which obviously takes the money and freelancer hold it for a bit while I start the job. And I, I typed a job description. And as I was typing out the features, I said it needs to integrate with Aweber and GetResponse and MailChimp and Infusionsoft and all these uh, all the CRMs and all the stuff. And then all different pages based on what they've said. Because we'd sort of discussed it around in that a bit as an idea. Anyway, so wouldn't I, it be great if like, depending on what you said in the survey, wouldn't it be good if you could send it to a different thank you page at the end of that so you can make the perfect offer mm. based on what they said? That would be great. Add that in. So we had like a feature set that wasn't as nothing like as big as it is now, but no. at the time it was pretty hefty. And I sent it off and I hit submit. And like I think everyone on Freelancer probably just read the job description and went, pa! Three thousand dollars. Um, so that didn't work out and uh, just wasted all of that effort. And so in the end, we were like, well, that's it. Because I don't know anything about software and you don't know anything about software. Like we know marginally more than the average Joe about how to put a piece of html on a page but only just if like it involves copying and pasting i can get away with it yeah we can probably read a tutorial on the internet and then copy and paste it and change the number um and that was really about it so we sort of went well never mind that's that then uh, and we just continued on with our with our business our own little space just doing our own thing and uh, and that was it and it was only a few years ago when we eventually decided actually do you know we're both in a position we'd we'd saved some money each and we're like okay great what should we do with that shall we you make us very much sound like a married couple at this point so we saved some money each and we were looking at things to invest in and again neither of us are particularly clued up on that stuff so we're like okay what should we do with it and the only thing we know about is starting businesses and having dropping my pen uh, and we'll have the business that's entirely within our control and then we know what we're doing with it so we decided we would uh, we would start the business and and uh, and cre- and create that piece of software from scratch in-house one of the things we're really really interested in sort of attracting people into our orbit around was i'm obsessed with shopping local obsessed like i don't go to many supermarkets whatsoever i go to my local butcher i go to my local greengrocer i live over by the coast so I'm obsessed with that. And so we said we could, we could outsource all of this work. That's a possible way of doing it. But actually, we're much more passionate about the Northeast. We're much more passionate about shopping locally and supporting local economy. So that's why we built the business right here in Wall's End, right in the Northeast of England. And we have two full-time staff who built this whole thing, every keystroke right here, which we found, we didn't realize at the time, but it's really, really unusual. How many times have we been to meetings where people have said, yeah, yeah. How many, how many, how many, like how much, what percentage of the business has been like developed in some cheap labor company, uh, cheap labor country? And we're like, none. And they're like, yeah, yeah but, but a little bit of it must have been. No, none. Every keystroke was programmed by one person right in this office over the past like two and a bit years. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really amazing. That's good. So that's one way of doing things is uh, obviously... Develop your own software if you can't find it out there. 
and we just needed it. People have said to me, "Oh, you should definitely start. So you should start and create and sell software because that's where the, there's loads, there's loads of money, and that is demand for that." And, and I said, well, "I haven't got any good ideas. When I've got a good idea, I'll create some software. When I know what I'm doing with it." And it was only when we had the idea for a sponsor that actually, like, this is a thing. I actually need this in my business, and the only commercially viable way of getting it is to make it saleable. And by having it all on site, it means we've created an atmosphere of real passion for the project, for the product, for helping companies regardless of size, like tiny, small, one-person businesses up to really large multinational companies to do, do all these clever things where they can cross-sell and upsell their products much better. Because how many of us know that of all of our customers, how many of our customers are actually buying most of our products or services that we offer them? Most of them aren't. Most people, we've got a customer, for example, who's an IT company, right? We've got a few IT companies now since then, but our first customer who's an IT company came to our office because they're a local company. And we said to them, look, a company gets you in that you put like a network or something into their office. Do they often buy other things from you? And they're like, yeah, every now and again. I'm like, how many product lines have you got? And they're like, 420. And I'm like, 420 product lines and somebody most customers buy one thing from you yeah wow so what happens after they've bought this thing well you know we we sort of you know we'll pop in their office once a year and like we'll just do a sort of little imagine tearing that apart and doing it in a totally different way how else could we do this so we said, okay, well, how about you actually find out how, how you've just done. So you send out a quick survey to say, okay, great. We've just installed your network, which is actually what they did for us. Just installed your network in your office. How did we do? And we'd reply and say, well, that was great. And five, five stars or 10 stars or whatever. Hit submit. Off it goes. It says, great. I'm really glad that you enjoyed that and it worked for you. What else are you interested in right now? And then a bunch of options of their top sort of selling products, the stuff they'd really like to get more of. So that could be to do with um, voice over IP te- telephony. Well, the problem is we're in like a serviced office building and they supply all of that and we can't do anything about it. So if they'd just try to email us and said, would you be interested in voice over IP telephony? Our answer would have to be no, because that's already taken care of. So they would have wasted an entire effort trying to promote stuff to us. We'd probably have unsubscribed from those emails because we're not interested in that. We can't do anything about it. Whereas the second option down was antivirus. Now, what we don't understand is we've got a mixture of Macs and PCs in here. Uh, so we were like, well, we need something that works on both. I didn't really know that you could just like license your antivirus and pay monthly and somebody else takes care of keeping it up to date and all that stuff. We didn't know any of that. This is a massive sales opportunity for this business. So we didn't know anything about something that they could sell us and we absolutely will pay it. It's high profit margin and we're going to pay it every single month forever because we need, we need antivirus. So we would, we would in, in that instance, we would tick that box. We'd say we actually need to review our protection stuff, hit submit, send off the survey. It's done two things. One, it showed us that they really care about the service they've given us because they've bothered to ask. And then the second thing is it's allowed us to say, actually, do you know what? We've, need, we've got this burning desire to solve this problem. We really well. need some help. Which means the next thing that happens is we now get a sequence of emails, phone calls, carrier pigeons, I don't know, whatever they're marketing. <laughs> Smoke signals from the top of the tower in Wall's End. Exactly. We start to get email messages or phone messages or text messages or whatever marketing materials they want to send out that sell us the thing that we haven't just sort of vaguely thought about once in the past. We haven't sort of or heard of it, but done anything about it. We've directly just said, we need help with this thing. And then they follow up and sell it to us. And it's the lowest resistance way to take existing customers or subscribers and turn them straight into new customers. The big thing that a mistake I have made almost all of my career, and I think 
speaking to a lot of business people when I do local business networking events and pop along to those or speak at those things is we're all chasing the big, shiny new customer. We're all chasing of how do we get another customer? Because there's so many courses and books and online training and coaching programs telling us how to get more leads or how to get more customers and how to turn a customer into a profit. But actually the highest valuable thing you have is the existing customers we've already got. And it's taken me years to figure this out. And okay, yes, admittedly, I'm pretty thick. So I'm pretty happy that it's taken me a bit longer than it does the average person. But if you instead go and sell more stuff to the existing customers who you already have the contact details for, already have a relationship with, so they'll take your phone call or actually answer your email, and they already know you're going to do a good job, you've got a good reputation with them, offer them more solutions, help them out more, deepen your relationship with them, and increase the value of each customer. That's where money's really made, rather than all that time and money and effort of chasing a new customer. And I don't blame anybody for chasing new customers. You've got to do that to grow. You've definitely got to do that to survive. But of course, it's built into us as, as, as human beings. Look at the psychology of it now. Since the beginning of time, we've been chasing down that bit of prey to put on the table for our families. Of course, we're obsessed with the chase. But actually, rather than expending all of that energy, rather than doing all of that, spend some of that time nurturing and deepening relationships and selling most of your existing customers. And what you've got now got is higher lifetime customer value. You've got a really interesting business proposition. And actually you just get to work more with those customers you already love working with, which is like win, 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 win situation. I mean, you know, as you've got new customers coming in and we all do, you have to do that. As you've just said, if you can create that one little system, just one little cog in the machine that takes those customers and passes them through this little campaign and they pop out of the other end as, as a repeat customer. And that happens within the first week of them being a customer that's light years away from what most people are doing in their business now there's, there's two things you're selling isn't there when you're in business one is the person and one is the product right it's much harder to sell the person than it is to sell the product products are easy it's all about features and benefits and does that solve that issue but i'm sure there's been times i, I certainly have found it where you come across somebody selling a product and you think i like the product but i don't like you and i can't work with you okay. so it's what you were saying there. It's if you've already sold yourself as a person to somebody, it's an easier to keep selling Definitely. solutions that they need. It's much harder to go to someone else and try and sell both all over again. Yeah, exactly. And once you've got that, you've got like a, like, like a big bang of sort of things going off in all the different directions that you can bring them back into because they now understand you and like you say they've built a relationship with you and the product and they understand that you as a person have integrity and that means the products you stand by i mean how many people do we know we've met them at networking events and every time they show up they're working for somebody else <laughs> but the reason well, that the new, different multi-level marketing thing <laughs> well, they could be but i think as long as it's something you trust and you when you've bought something off that person at the first business they were representing you're pretty happy to go and sort of test out whatever it is and whatever it is that they're sort of peddling at the moment, I suppose, because you built that relationship. Yeah, it's true. It's all about trust really, isn't it? And it's much easier if you've already built trust. Right. Uh, the guy that runs the Content Marketing Academy, Chris Marr, he, that's Chris what Mar, he's yeah. thinking. He's, he's always about trust. Someone's got trust. They're going to keep back. I like your little system. I mean, you've touched on a, some of the features of the system that you've built. And, it, you know, it's quite innovative that you've kind of, rather than trying to find, because on this podcast, we tend to recommend services that go out, but that you've actually gone out 
and built it yourself and then managed to start. Do you just want to talk a little bit more about your software, some of the features on it, um, and maybe how it compares to some of the other leading software out there in this sector? Sure. I mean, if, if you right now are at any phase of your business, whether you're starting up or you're scaling up or you're looking to exit, what's really interesting is the features that Response Suite allows you to do are things that have previously only been reserved for large multinational, huge corporations and people with technical like brains that really understand all this stuff. What we want to do is create that feature set where you can do all of this segmenting people in your email marketing system, where you can run surveys that integrate with your marketing system, where you can send them to different pages of your website or different landing pages, depending on what they say in the survey. We want to do all of those things, but with literally the, the, the tech knowledge of me, nobody, somebody <laughs> who knows nothing about technology whatsoever. And that's what this allows you to do. So if you're looking at how do I send, do, get better results from my email marketing right now? Well, the reason that email marketing results go down is usually because the messages you're sending people by email are not hitting the spot. They're not piquing people's interest. They're not getting them excited. They're not hitting a pain point. A really simple way of overcoming that is the next email you send to them, send them a survey, ask them what is it they're interested in? What is their challenge right now? And then, and then use that feedback to only send them emails and messages and phone calls and offers which are about that pain point because now your engagement's going to go up because they're only receiving messages about the stuff they're interested in. That's, that's a really simple way that you can implement this kind of thing to start getting immediate, immediate direct results. Right? And the feature to do it is very simple. It just plugs directly into your email marketing system, whether that's MailChimp or Infusionsoft or whatever you use and then active campaign and every single question to every single answer every single answer to every single question uh, inside your survey can be hooked up to apply a tag or put people into a different list or an audience or a segment, depending on what the platform calls it. So that every single time you go, okay, great. So we're doing a special offer on um, uh, pens this week. Uh, right. Let's, uh, let's sell to people who might be interested in that. You can log in and just pull up a people, a, a list of, so you can you know, exclude all the people who've obviously bought pens from you before. That's sort of what everybody does. And that's where segmentation tends to stop. You can also exclude now people who have got paperless offices for example. Exactly. So now you can pull up a list of everybody and find out exactly who they are, what they want. If you have an offer that's only for men, just pull up all the list of people who said they were men. If you've got a thing that's only for people in a certain age bracket, only send it to them. And it sort of empowers all of your future ongoing marketing. But at the same time, it takes those people and it puts them into different Facebook audiences based on what they said. It takes them to, as we said earlier, it takes them to a thank you page based on what they said. So where most survey platforms are the sort of cul-de-sac of marketing, unless you like take a third party application, which is an extra cost and it means there's an extra bit of duct tape somewhere that could go wrong. Um, it, where most survey platforms are the end of a marketing process, we like to sit as the connecting point between we call it like the, the fulcrum. Sale. We call it like the fulcrum, which is surveys usually are the end of the marketing conversation or the sales conversation. What if instead they were the end of one and the opening of a new one saying, thank you. What did you think of that? And then opening up the new conversation about how can we help you next? Right. Like That's on a, really like on a spaceship about. where you go from one room to the other and the door opens and you go through and it closes. And yeah, like one of those you go through. oxygen. Whatever that's called. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're like... like so an, airlock. an airlock. There we go. One of those. Is it, that is a really interesting co uh, concept. I mean, the, the mail software that, that I use, all it does is if people haven't opened it, it's like, hey, send it again. Send it again. But all you're doing is, is annoying people. So that system yeah. where... Beating them over. Now, whereas... I want to hear... 
Yeah, I mean, wouldn't it be better it's if every time you send an email, yeah. they're absolutely over the moon to hear from you because it's about something they really care about? Yeah. Yeah. I like that concept. Much better. So, obviously, you, you have your uh, own piece of software, but what would you say your favorite software is and why? Yeah, something we could not run our business without, genuinely, like it just would fall over, I would say, is Slack. Slack, definitely, yeah. Slack is probably our favorite thing. Um, it's an inter. If you don't know it, you can download it, for, download it for free. They're one of the fastest growing web apps in the world right now. And them and Zero are pretty much like. If you're a, if you're a kid of the '80s and '90s and you remember MSN Messenger, think about that. But as internal <laughs> communications for a business. Yeah, so you can have individual conversations. So wherever Rob happens to be on the road, or if I'm on the road, or the guys are in the office or whatever, we have it on our phones, we have it on our desktop, and we can have one-to-one conversations. But you also create like little groups. Uh, they're called channels, and they're about different sort of subject matter, so you can keep everything in one place. So, really I mean, nice. we have no email for internal communications no, at all. Because who needs email, more email? Email goes out. And in, <laughs> That's very true. Internally, everything happens on Slack, doesn't okay. it? You share Google Drive documents and all this other stuff. And what I like about Slack, and this is the other cool thing about it, is it was created for a business who needed a better communications tool. And they thought, well, if we're going to put all this money into creating it, let's sell it. It wasn't created because somebody had an idea for a business. I like how you can get different departments on it as well. So you can say, right, but even if it's a virtual team rather than an in-house team, yeah. you can say they're all the people that are dealing with legal or they can it's just the legal, they can talk to the solicitor in that group. Or if it's something to do with accounts, we'll create that group and any issues in there can be done in there. So you can literally create all your kind of virtual departments in there with departments or your project. you've got like a short-term project let's say you're working yeah. on this year's summer barbecue thing or a networking mm-hmm. thing you're putting on or or whatever and you've got a, fun, a bunch of people who are doing that you could just create a little group for that a little a little channel for that and then once that's done you could just delete it and move on i think it's outstanding it's amazing so what would your top tip be for entrepreneurs who are looking into ways of maybe obtaining feedback and using that to grow their business So I suppose one of them would be look at your business and say, what are all of the significant actions that I ask people to take? So that might be buy a product. It might be join your newsletter. It might be register for a webinar. It might be join a membership site or leave a membership site. It might be, you know, any, any significant action at all. Ask for a refund, you know, any significant action that somebody takes, take a feedback survey or a survey of some description and put it in a short three or four question maximum survey all multiple choice, take out all of the, if you possibly can, take out all of the open-ended question boxes and just provide people with the options that are important. For example, let's imagine somebody has just left your membership program or a recurring subscription or a gym membership or a whatever, something where they were paying monthly, a software platform, send them a quick survey and say, listen, I'm really sorry this wasn't for you and it didn't work out. Can we just get some quick feedback? Because we'd love to improve this for, for other users and maybe you'll come back. And you ask them, why did you leave? Well, there's only a handful of reasons why people would leave. So give them the options. And then um, you, you follow up with them based on what they said. So find every opportunity to ask for feedback and then put a short survey in, in all of those places. The big thing to remember in all of our businesses is to not assume anything about any of our subscribers. A lot of our customers are social media managers and social media consultants. And when somebody comes to one of their websites and opts in and gives their email address, puts their email address in, in exchange for like a a cheat sheet about how to improve your social media or something, it's very easy to assume that all the people who are opting in, joining the mailing list, are the same. And of course they're not because some of those people are perhaps looking for 
someone to manage their social media. Some people are looking for training on how to do it themselves. And some people are actually a social media person working within a business. They've all got very different needs. They all need very different help and different ways of consuming the content. If we assume all of those people are the same, we cannot hit those people with the right messages. And therefore, we'll start to get disheartened with the results we're getting from our email communications. To make, to make that worse, some of those people will have no followers on Instagram and just be starting out. Others will have a million followers on Instagram and they're looking to make more sales. And so now you've got all these different people in different demographics who are suffering from all these different problems and situations, which gives you this weird matrix of like a billion possibilities. And unless you can tap into that, then you've got a really big problem. And it's the same in all businesses. So at any given opportunity, after any significant action, ask for feedback. I like what you were saying there about four to five questions and making it quick. Because how many times have we received a survey and it's just reels of information? There's one at the moment that actually I was quite interested in, in filling in uh, called Clean Air. It's the Clean Air survey you might have seen about. And, yeah. you know, for people that care about the environment, we're like, yes, we want to fill this survey and help. But actually, if you look at the size of the survey, it's just horrendous. I also care about my fingers and that's a lot of typing to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you see ones that are just asking for completely irrelevant data to fill in, like all your personal details. Do you need so more than a name a or an email? Totally, totally. Lots so, of people are asking for questions because they feel like they should yeah. rather than because they actually need the information. A really good way of putting a survey together is think about you on three, four or five questions plus an email address to contact the person, of course. But you want to... The really simple thing is ask yourself two things. The first one is if you've got an existing survey that you think about polishing up, great. Go through that survey and look at the questions which you have not made required. And I'm then if they're not required, take them out, probably. And if, and if you're not willing to take them out, then make them required. Because if they're not absolutely necessary, then the thing is, the only thing they're really doing is, one, serving you in a secondary way. Every single survey form, application form, however you use your surveys, should have a single intention and a single thing you want to do with it. And that's the reason most people get trapped up. The second thing to do is related to that, and that is when you're creating a survey from scratch, think about that single intention and only ask the questions that you need to ask in order to help the person or help your business do what it is you want to do. All that superfluous stuff that you usually ask for in a regular survey because you're supposed to, don't bother. A, a typical example is when you host an event, people will say, uh, here's a matrix question of what, how would you rate each of these things? And you ask, ask you to rate the food and the venue. Why would you ask to rate the food and the venue? Because usually if you're going to use that venue again, you can't do anything about the food. So why are you asking about it? It's a simple example. If there's something you can't do anything about, don't ask for feedback on that thing because that's a waste of someone clicking. The other, the final thing, a bit of advice for getting higher completion on your surveys, because we obviously see thousands of these every day, is, and, and Rob absolutely touched on it, in fact, talked about it, but I'll just summarize it again to make sure drive it home, is get people to click, not think. It's the same we have. Get them to choose right, right. a multiple choice or a single choice checkbox, something like that, or click on an image, something pretty like that. But the moment you have people think, and that usually means typing something, your completion rate and your engagement rate is going to drop through the floor. So clicking, not thinking. There's always, as well, because like you mentioned, when people fill in a survey, you're segmenting it, you've got that data. Once you've kind of collected that, there's no, nothing to stop you from doing more of a deep dive. Okay, these people were dissatisfied. We'll take an example of the venue. Let's find out why. 
Absolutely. If somebody comes back and says it was a one out of 10, like, okay, now you've got something you can go and dig deeper into, pick up the phone, ask them some more questions, send out another survey that goes into a bit more detail. If, if what you're trying to do there is rectify that situation for sure. It doesn't all have to be done within that one survey. and do something about it like always take action on the feedback like how many times have we had a horrible experience at a hotel i spend a lot of time in hotels doing doing gigs right so how many times have you had a bad experience at a hotel you say that was a two out of ten and then the next page goes thank you for your feedback here's a 10 pound voucher (laughs) i'm not coming back i don't need it (laughs) yeah Yeah, i don't want it thank you very much and then the following day you get another email about another hotel in the same train that's got a special offer on them instead action it connect it with things so you can actually take good because what they should be doing is calling me going how do we fix this not just because they want to save the customer because they want to save their business as well and we and you don't have to be a massive hotel or even a hotel at all to do this anytime you deliver your product or your service even if you're just doing one-to-one Get that feedback and then take action on it. And you're going to build a great reputation, a better business, happier customers who are going to buy more often from you. And that's a great place to be. So thank you very much for all your time today. You've gone into a, a lot there to give all the listeners some to think about. And it was great oh, hearing about the software that you've developed. Is there a way that people can connect with you? And is there anybody you would recommend to come on this podcast? Before we do that, we've got a little confession to make, Rob and I. So what we did, and we didn't tell you this, I'm afraid. So sorry about that. Um, So what we did is before we got on this recording is Rob and I set a little theme for the episode. You look nervous. We set ourselves. I need to edit this bit out. (laughs) (laughs) Set ourselves a little theme for this episode, and it's got nothing to do with local business or marketing or surveys at all. But we talked in a lot of metaphors throughout this episode. We we use the metaphors for one particular theme, and we want you to try and guess what it is. See if you picked up on it. And if you haven't already, go back and listen back again, and it'll stick out like a sore thumb. So, for example, if the theme was farmyard animals, I might say something. And it wasn't, but if it was, I might say something like, "Oh, I went to a restaurant the other day, and I was really pigging out." That would be an example of how we've done. Move it. over. <laughs> the other one I can think of is the spaceship. <laughs> there was definitely a theme all the way through, and we wanted to try and guess what it is. And if you can tweet us at Response Suite. Response suite is spelled response and then S-U-I-T-E, of course. And we would lo- and we will sort out some kind of prize for somebody who guesses it. We don't know what it is yet because we've just made it up. But uh, tweet us at response suite and we'll figure it out. Having so, said that, you can, of course, just generally connect with us on social media at response suite on Facebook and Instagram is probably where we're most active. Um, and then if you actually want to take a look at response suite, we've actually got a cool special deal we put together for the podcast listeners. Yes. So if you want to come and check it out, totally free, try it, build it. It'll take you about... I don't know, an hour, maybe two hours tops to build your first campaign on it. We'll want to give you it totally free for 14 days. If you go to a special URL, which I'm going to give you in just a moment's time. But in addition to that, because we want you to see results within those 14 days, Rob and I would like to extend an offer to work with you as a listener to this podcast personally. For free. For free, included if you, if you register through the special link we're going to give you. And that'll help us to work with you personally to set up your, your campaign, to set up your survey, to, do, to have the biggest impact in your business. We'll work, on, work with you to figure out where that's going to be, to build your survey with you, connect it with your email marketing system. We're very familiar with most of them, so we'll work with you on that bit as well. 
So that's a special here as well. But we also put together a, a, another offer, which is to do with a training we hosted a few months ago. Yeah, so we have a thing called the Survey Marketing Masterclass. It's a four-part video series about uh, eight different marketing campaigns that are built around surveys. You can take these and use them with or without response. If you want to do everything manually, there's a manual labor way of doing totally it. And that's all covered as well. Uh, but when you get it, you get it completely for free when you take the 14-day trial of Response Suite. And you even can keep that even if you don't stick with Response Suite. The only way you can get that package is if you go to this very special URL, and that is responsesweetdeal.com forward slash profs. That's Response Suite. There you go. You said yeah. you didn't know how to use the slashes. You've used it right there. <laughs> <laughs> And you made it in one piece. I made it in one piece. So it's responsesweetdeal.com forward slash profs. Well, thank you very much. I'm sure the uh, listeners will appreciate those very generous offers there. Thank you. And do you have any other social media that people can connect you with? So you mentioned your yeah. Twitter. He's on Literally LinkedIn. all of them. So find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I think we're even on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Instagram's where we get most stuff. We post yeah. everything. Most stuff is on Instagram at responsesweet. You'll find our wonderful faces and that of all of our guests for our podcast uh, on there as well thank you very much and is there anybody you would recommend to come on the podcast yes yes you would. a pal and customer of ours is a guy called jason resnick um and he is a, a sort of a, a freelance outsourced tech guy uh who also coaches people who do that same thing outsource workers and freelance workers and stuff really smart guy great laugh uh so yeah definitely jason resnick would be our would our, be our recommendation great guy well, thank you very much, and thank you so much for all your time today as well, guys. I'm Remember to look you for your business.